in this episode of the Sustainable Fashion Podcast. We visit our experts at Clubhouse Fashion as they explore technology solutions for sustainable fashion. The question is, how will technology impact the fashion industry in the next 10 years? So we have Katrina, we have Susanna, we have Liv, we have Eleanor and we have Ishita. And um, you guys will probably do better introductions um, than I could do of yourselves. So I'll give you like five minutes each just to explain who you are, the company that you're with and your expertise, what you're going to be contributing to this discussion. So should we start with, yeah. Okay. Hello, I'm Katerina Rimersikova. Um, I am few things, I suppose, um, coming from design background. So I've been a designer for most of my life. Um, but I also, I'm on a crossroads. Um, I've been doing a lot of innovation collaborations within the industry. And I guess uh, by default, I have become sort of a um, sustainability expert as much as I don't necessarily like to use that word. Um, but uh, also, I'm here tonight um, representing the Circle Economy Club. I have become the um, fashion lead for this uh, non-for-profit organization. So my job is to tell you a little bit about us. Um, so let me tell you because I don't want to get the numbers wrong. So Circle Economy Club is a non-for-profit organization, membership organization, gathering over 5,000 members around uh, the world about 270 cities and with um, uh, 130 countries. And uh, with the volunteers, we organize um, events um, around the world and different cities are participating, exchanging knowledge around circular economies, uh, not just fashion, of course. And uh, membership is free for both individuals and organizations. So please join. And what it is as well, the website gives a great platform for open source information around circularities and circular solutions. So uh, we would, we're looking at obviously uh, different areas from anything from waste to fashion um, and between. So please keep an eye on other events as well. Um, we really tend to uh, broaden our horizons and partner up uh, with different organizations and companies. The next one is with Ernst Young, and we'll be discussing circular construction and the role of finance, um, which will be in March on the 3rd, I believe. So again, um, we believe in this kind of crossover between different disciplines and fields, and that's what I do in my daily life, I suppose, uh, working with companies, designers, and manufacturers. Uh, one of my... Um, jobs as well is working with a non-for-profit organization called the Sustainable Angle and just want to mention this because it's very exciting and I'm very proud of the whole team. Uh, we just organized our ninth um, Future Fabrics Expo last January and it was the largest um, showcase of sustainable materials in the world and it's been buzzing and it's been incredibly positive, um, incredible feedback where we showcase everything from um, innovations that start in laboratories and in science classes, um, literally to uh, full scale up models for sustainable solutions and materials. So it is happening, um, there are solutions out there. Uh, we also launched some blockchain solutions for our partners and uh, some uh, sourcing around um, sort of digitalized 
fingerprinted fabrics and materials and raw materials. So we're looking into that kind of technology as well. And I guess I will tell you more um, while yeah, we're speaking. Yeah. So Susanna. Hi, yeah, I'm Susanna Davda. I run my own business called The Shoe Consultant. I help shoe brands uh, to grow or I help people to start shoe brands as well. And um, I'm really passionate about enabling women to make better decisions about the shoes that we buy um, because, yeah, there's, I think, actually... The amount of shoes that are in our wardrobes is, uh, and they're not even being worn, is contributing to the, the issues that we have. You know, uh, it, it's so wasteful. It's really wasteful, um, and there are reasons why they're not being worn. And so I help people to uh, understand what those reasons are, so that they can make um, better choices about the shoes, and they can wear them a lot, and they can wear them out because that's what we need to be doing. And uh, I'm really interested in you know what is the future of the fashion and uh, footwear industries uh, in terms of technology in terms of sustainability uh, footwear in particular uh, is quite challenging and we'll probably go into that a, a bit later uh, when we're talking about um, recycling um, I'll, that's just a teaser for the moment but yeah I'm Susanna yep Liv Hi, I'm Liv. I'm working in sportswear, creation and production. Um, I work as well in fashion collabs, and I'm really trying to be implementing sustainability as much as I can because it's really something important to me, and we are in a really polluting industry, so really trying to change that. So to contribute to side projects as well and, and to be like putting fashion into the right direction. Yeah, um, just to mention, Liv um, actually works for one of the leading sportswear brands, so she's coming from a perspective of big business and sustainability. Just to add that note, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> Eleanor? Thank you. Um, yeah, my name's Eleanor. Um, I am the COO of a fashion tech startup called the XYZ Exchange. We are a fashion platform for independent brands um, sort of like creating an ecosystem for independent brands to be able to source manufacture and distribute all through one I guess I hate the word again sustainable system we're moving towards different ways of practicing so um, different materials collaborations um, such as starting to work with Mata, a sustainable sourcing agent and then also allowing these independents to work with small-scale manufacturers um, across the world so that we've got our sourcing and manufacturing as close to where our retail hubs are as possible. Um, alongside that, I also run my own consultancy. I do the strategy for startup brands. I wouldn't say like sustainability is my key focus. It's just kind of ingrained in everything that I work with brands for. So, for example, um, today, one of my brands just launched... And a key part of her strategy is to not overproduce. Um, like everything, all of our samples are going to go across to pop-up shops across the world. These are then going to be samples for products which customers can order as a made-to-order garment. So we're not sitting on any stock, which is good economically for a startup and also really good sustainably because we've not wasted anything. We've not produced anything until we need it. And also really good because the consumers like having something that nobody else has got that's really one-off and fits them perfectly because we can adjust the size. So those are the two things that I do that I guess work with both tech and sustainability and fashion. 
Hi everyone, my name is Ishita and I'm the founder of Byrotation. We're UK's first peer-to-peer -peer fashion rental app, uh, which essentially means people can download the free app and rent and lend their wardrobe. Uh, what we have on there is a community of users that are basically rotating their wardrobes. Uh, so we're coming at a consumption point of view, I suppose, more so than production, which I think we've been talking about quite a bit. Um, and really, my background hasn't been in fashion whatsoever. Um, I used to work in finance, so I used to be an investment manager up till October 2019. And that's also when our app launched. And uh, we now have more than, I would say, 10,000 users. And we've actually integrated a bit of machine learning. Uh, we can talk about that later as well. Um, but that's more, again, on sort of um, kind of um, trying to help the user rent other items as well when they're thinking about their outfit rather than going to the high street and buying something new. So for us, we really think that we're trying to disrupt the fast fashion industry by convincing people to rent high-quality items that belong to someone else rather than buy a 30-pound dress from H&M or Zara. I'm sorry to name some people. But, um, but yeah, it's all about sharing, and we're really about community, and we enable people to rotate their wardrobes through our technology, which is the free app, which you should definitely download. <laughs> okay, that's amazing. So now you guys have the foundation of the discussion. You've got the experts, you've got a bit of an introduction to Industry 4.0, a bit of knowledge about AI. So everyone has like a different angle that they're coming from. So I'm just gonna like do like a little bit of a summary, like what's in my head anyway, what I understand is going on. And then um, I've got a question. So um, obviously my summary is that we're all here because there's an um, environmental crisis taking place, and the fashion industry is one of the biggest contributors to that. And we've got 10 years to make a change, or there'll be ir irreversible damage to the, the world's ecosystems. Um, there's already so much plastic pollution in, in the oceans, and wild animals are on decline, so there could be an extinction. I think... I, I read uh, there's there's some platform that I follow anyway. I can't remember where um, which um, platform it was, but they um, I think it's called Sustainable Human, um, something like that. They they have this idea that 2026 is going to be year zero for wild animals. So I think the the they had some statistics that basically in the f past 50 years wildlife is um so we're talking about not like cows and sheep and and um domesticated animals we're talking about wolves and um lions and all the wild animals are declining um there's now 58 percent reduction so by 2026 if we can't go on on that rate then there'll be zero wild animals left so we're talking about the wildlife and the oceans and we've got 10 years as a generation to actually reverse that and clean it up. So that's not, <laughs> it's not a very long time. So we're actually here having a very, there's only a few people, but I feel like powerful minds can come up with solutions. Um, I feel like there's a lot in what the guys at the university have said that needs to be explored um, in the industry. And there's a lot already happening in other industries. So it's now, time for you um, 
fashion industry leaders to grasp this information and go and start asking questions and putting it out there to people that of influence that could actually start innovating research development looking at how viable these solutions are so that's kind of my summary um we've got a panel that is very diverse from fashion industry entrepreneurship to the shoe industry sports industry big business small business um consultancy and then consumer behavior so i think we've covered every angle that of minds that needs to kind of figure out what technology can help them in their area so that's my summary so my first question so this is um this section is this section is um an open discussion but i'm going to address the panel first so we're going to let each member of the panel answer the question and then we're going to open to the floor to add their input if they want to and then discuss around the points that we've heard so the question is how do you think technology is likely to impact the fashion industry in the next decade so maybe we'll start this way this time so ishita um by rotation consumer behavior how do you think the fa um technology is likely to impact the fashion industry in the next decade um, so I'll just talk on the consumption side because I yeah, think yeah. you guys can address the production side even better. Uh, but I think on the consumption side, we're estimating the rental market to be about $2 billion globally uh, by 2023. And I think personally, from what I've seen, that's probably taking into account run the runway because this research was done in 2017. So I'm looking at Europe and I'm looking at the uptake that we've seen since October 2019 with, uh, you know, consumer... Um, perception of rental and how people are actually more willing to take this up you know whether it's for just things like ski wear because you're going skiing all the way to people actually renting a bag or, or suit even because men are also allowed on the app um, we're, we're seeing people kind of rent from the everyday to the occasion wear so I do think on the consumption side people are beginning to swap more share more um, with each other and I think with the whole sharing economy, you know, where, whether it's Airbnb or Uber, I think it's it's just about time that it comes to renting clothes, sharing clothes. So technology, what technology is involved to kind of make rental things of the norm for everybody? For me personally, I'm biased. So it's definitely the fact that we have a platform that connects lenders and renters to each other. So it's not just inventory based where it's like rent the runway and Y closet in China where, you know, we're running a logistics company with a big warehouse and um, it's a subscription model. So you can rent as much as you want and we'll just ship it out to you, which is essentially sort of dressing in designer clothing for cheaper. But instead, we're connecting rent. We're connecting people together. So for me, it's all about having a community of people. And that's where our technology is enabling that. I'm just going to um, put a little point in here so you can correct me. So are you talking about like social media and um, how predictive technology is? Are they things that you use in your app to what technologies? So uh, when I was uh, kind of talking about before, which I kind of briefly mentioned, which was yeah. about the machine learning point, yeah. and that's more sort of um, suggesting what else you can rent with an outfit and, you know, what else is to your taste 
uh, on the app. And the other things that we're working on is about curating the photos that are on the app and ensuring that they're photos taken by people um, so people can actually see the size and the fitting on the app. Uh, but that's what I mean when we're talking about machine learning in our in our case. Yes. Yeah, okay. No, that's fine. So, Eleanor, um, how do you... I've just asked the question, but I don't know why. I'm <laughs> how do you think technology is likely to impact the fashion industry in the next decade? Maybe looking at small businesses that you work with. Is this technology accessible? And what technologies are accessible for small businesses? and blockchain experts, or there might be something about blockchain in that. Yeah, so I'll just brief everyone quickly on why I guess I'm into blockchain. So last year I completed a master's at London College of Fashion and I looked at using blockchain in fashion supply chains to combat counterfeits. As prior to studying fashion, I actually studied law. So I was really interested in the problem of copying of independent designers and the impact that it had on them. Because, for example, London College of Fashion students would go to big fashion houses with their portfolio, very excited, got a job interview at this huge fashion house, and they'd think, oh, that's nice, I'll have a bit of that in my collection, a bit of that in my collection, how can we actually stop this? And I was thinking, okay, the law isn't really set up to help them, so what system can we put into place to actually fix this? Because the government's not realistically going to sort out this problem because the money involved isn't huge, it's more just the theft of very important intellectual property to these young creatives. So I wanted to help kind of facilitate a movement towards a system which really helped these people. And it fits really nicely alongside sustainability and alongside moving towards a more sustainable fashion future. But my focus has really been on intellectual property and, and stopping combat, combating counterfeits, I guess. Um, so how technology plays a part in this. Um, blockchain is something that I really jumped on the hype. Oh, this is a nice word. Like, everybody's talking about it. Um, didn't really know what it meant. I'm not in tech at all. Um, I thought, this is interesting. Let's see how it works. And essentially, I just looked at how we could use this kind of distributed ledger technology to see really how, how we could use it from the design phase all the way through the supply chain to distribution. I think a lot of people who, um, I guess, work in big brands think maybe this is something that our consumers would like to see. A we could use this technology to show them and to tell them a story about the supply chain, for example. If you scan this QR code, you can see where, where it's come from, who the cotton farmer was that picked your cotton or something like that. Whereas I started looking at things from the design perspective. Um, so when a designer is designing something, they can add sections of their design to the blockchain to start, I guess, protecting their design through this evidential database. But that works quite nicely with sustainability as well, because if you've got evidence and kind of data on where something has come from, from your first drawing, you've got data on your suppliers, where everything has come from, really thinking about things from the other end of the supply chain rather than from consumer backwards. I'm thinking from designer forwards. So yeah. I guess that's how tech and sustainability come together in my work. Transparency is like a big issue. I think me and Liv had this conversation and we're, we're going to do another event in September and that's going to be on product transparency. So um, I think what you're saying in regards to blockchain, it, it, supply, it provides that transparency so people know what is going on through the processes. So th that's the power of blockchain. 
yeah. Anything else to add? So yeah, quit you. <laughs> okay. So um, Liv, you know the question. Next ten years, what do you think? I think it's going to change a lot because it's already like endless possibilities, and the way we create. I mean, I work in creation production, so many on that field, everything has changed so much. Like everything is like assisted by technology every day. Like we use it. Like we don't even realize we're using it. And it's really like, it's like by all the software, all the machines, like even the factories are using it all the time. And I think it's going to reach another level because it's so good for sustainability. Like the way we create, the way we sample, the way we like have all those exchange together, like it really reduces the whole sampling process, it all reduces the whole creation process. And it's just so many possibilities and it's really incredible how it's going into that direction. And, I think it's just the beginning, like it's lots of changes like coming away that we don't even realize are like already started, have already started. Okay, so in in regards to um, bigger brands, they can adapt and use technology a lot quicker. So um, just give us a little bit of an insight of your opinion in the next 10 years, the big brands, what are they doing today that we don't know of that could be... um, disseminated into the wider industry so just a little bit of an insight i think the main change at the moment is like we're reducing like all the creation process like by the lean time by like all the thing because before we used to like design something create the pattern do like fittings resample rearrange like and it was a lot of like conversation with the factories where they would have to like ship it and it was a lot of material wastage, sample wastage like all those shipments as well and now we're really trying to like reduce that and even kind of eliminate it in a way because now everything is online and everything is like digitalized and it's quite incredible because you can do everything like just in one place and then like you reduce that process and it's just like already so much better because you go further and you don't have like all those waste you don't have like all those like useless shipment and you just save time as well you save money and it's quite incredible like how i think all the other companies going to really they won't have any samples anymore like everything going to be digital and even when you have sales meeting even when you have all those things like everything going to be like on your laptop and you're just going to show them like a 3d like image or like a 3D avatar where you can see everything, every details, like if it was a real garment. It's quite incredible. That's exciting. Thank you. So, um, Susanna, the, the foot industry, the shoe industry, is it the foot industry or the shoe industry? Footwear. Oh, footwear, sorry. The footwear industry is already moving forward with like data and a few exciting, I think you mentioned like 3D technology and a few things. So, our conversation was where can the fashion industry pick up on what is already happening in the footwear industry so do you want to just share a bit of those insights where you think it's um, transferable across the board that's interesting I I wanted to pick up on the word fashion as well just because like over the next decade what's going to happen in fashion I just really hope that word is used less because it's the least sustainable word right fashion means in and out it's uh, it's a passing trend. It's designed for obsolescence. Um, whereas, yeah, what we need to be thinking of, and actually I'm going to reference the past for, for the footwear industry, um, we need to be kind of going back in time and, and referencing, uh, you know, repair, like uh, cobblers, shoe repairers, right? So... Um, 
the the, be the best companies, I suppose, the most sustainable shoe companies are actually probably the, the most traditional ones um, in some ways. Okay, so uh, yeah, the sportswear industry is doing some really advanced stuff, um, but actually it's not all about being advanced. It's about building something to last. It's about longevity. And um, I feel like there is a bit more of this, perhaps, a tendency towards this in the footwear industry. Um, built to be able to be repaired. Um, also, you know, that whole thing of shoe care, like who, who here has polished their shoes in the last uh, week? Hands up. Oh, well done. <laughs> I can't even put my hands up, but that's really good. <laughs> this room, I think, is probably bucking that particular statistic. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so you know, shoe care, the the, the sort of um, looking after and valuing. I think we were talking about this um, a little bit. At least the speakers were talking about it in the past um, earlier about really valuing each item that you purchase, whether that's something that's already been used by somebody else and is just new to you, or is just uh, is, is something brand new that you're acquiring, like why you are acquiring it, um, what do you need it for, what is the gap that it's filling in your life, um, and what is the connection that you have to it. Um, and so for me, you know, that is, uh, that is kind of shoes, uh, and I'm uh, very selective about the shoes I buy, uh, but I think it's really important that people do start um, getting that connection back again. Um, Technology-wise in the footwear industry, so there's a lot of talk about kind of leather substitutes um, being grown in labs. Um, a, a lot of this, and it's interesting because these labs um, use quite a lot of uh, energy at the moment uh, because it's all so new. Uh, right now, this isn't uh, a more sustainable option than using um, hides that are existing from the meat industry to make leather shoes. You know, when we eat less meat, those won't be available, and the substitutes are going to be more and more necessary. Um, but, yeah, so that's interesting, that level of technology. But also, yeah, uh, because you were saying about 3D printing. Um, yeah, I think there's... there's 3D printing kind of in components, um, but perhaps for garments, but footwear designers are trying to design a bit more for solely 3D printing, and it may answer some of the problems that the, the footwear industry is facing in terms of recyclability because of all the different materials, uh, different components that go into making a shoe, and how very attached and buried and hard uh, to, to take apart uh, those are for recycling. Um, so longevity of products is the, the main thing. So um, just to elaborate a little bit more, how is technology helping people with the repair process to like take care of products? Um, is there a link between the work that Ishita does on bi-rotation with like machine learning and predicting or um, that type of technology that can let people notify people when they need to repair products or help people send products for repair or do you understand where I'm getting like is there is there a crossover between that consumer behavior side of things that can be impacted in in regards to repairing things yeah. 
it's partly about ease um, and it's partly about education. So it's, uh, you know, I think I would like to see more brands, shoe brands, fashion brands, offering a repair service themselves. And of course, some of the luxury houses do this. Uh, it's a bit more difficult with their footwear offer. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there's always a risk when you take a, um, an item that is of sentimental value or of high um, financial value to a, uh, like a dry cleaner to, to um, mend or to a cobbler to, uh, to repair. Uh, there's always this risk that it's just not going to come back quite as you expected it to or quite as it was when it was new to you. Uh, whereas I think it's really important that the brands um, offer these services th themselves and they have that control. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, brands, uh, fashion brands, shoe brands should be considering themselves as service providers. They are not, they shouldn't be product providers, uh, product sellers. Um, they should be providing an end-to-end -end service, a circular service, which involves the education um, of saying, you know, you, these products, you can buy them and they can be looked after. They're going to last you this amount of time if you wear them this amount of time. And, you know, and connecting those kind of digital elements, I think, to inform the customer, you know, how this product is going to work for them. When, if they wear it this many times, at what, which point they would need to get it repaired and making it really easy, um, putting that kind of technology into place to ease that communication side of things, um, to, I don't know, perhaps send the customer a box to send their shoes back in, or, um, or what could be better and more sustainable would be having local partners, local trusted partners um, that they can send or they can take their products to. But it's also about the education. So, you know, video is so, so powerful. Um, so taking them on a video journey of their product from how to care for it, how to repair it, and how what happens when they send it back to the brand for recycling. This all has to happen. Brands have to take responsibility for their products, for the whole journey of their products. I feel like I've talked. No, no, no. That's fine. I'm going to add to it because um, I know Katrina is um, Kat Katarina. Katarina. Katarina is coming from industry critique, like how realistic our, our ideas. So before I pass on to Katrina, I've got some input. And I know um, there's the data, um, the, the, the guys from the university, the experts on all these technologies here. And yeah. Well, I just wanted to add to yeah. what you were speaking about, which is that there is actually a very interesting startup that we're partnered with. And they're, they're launching quite soon. It's called Save Your Wardrobe. And they're like a wardrobe digitization app, so kind of like Clueless, you, okay. know, you know, that yeah. movie. Um, but, but, but how it kind of works is that um, while for the, the average consumer like ourselves, we just upload whatever we have in our wardrobe and put it on the mobile app, on the back end, they're actually letting the producers know how items are being used. So they're partnered with dry cleaners, um, the restry, which does repairing and for rental by rotation. Yeah. And they've also got, I think, a donation company. I can't remember. It's called Thread something. Sorry, I can't remember. I think maybe maybe it's Thread Up. No, no, it's something else. But Thrift. Thrift. Sorry, Thrift. Okay. Um, but so they're actually getting the information of how people, how often people are wearing items and, yeah. and shoes included. 
and then the, their goal is to let the producers know that, oh, um, the Burberry trench coat is used very often and it's an item that you don't need to put on sale, for example. Or, um, or maybe like this orange jumper, it's, it's something that people rent out more because it's more a statement piece and you don't need to keep putting it in your classic collection. And, so, then, and then the companies will also find out when it's being sent to the restoring I, I I presume so, so that yeah really so there's yeah. actually it's a it's a whole data company really yeah that's the yeah. that's what it is no that's that brings us nicely on because I was gonna kind of ask that question just to get more information on this um the kind of data to that you need to collect would be um data on how often things are used when things are returned when when things wear out when people buy the next product so I just wanted to put that out there, like, as a conversation, where do we go with collecting the right information to ensure that people can repair or do use the services that Ashita has been describing? So it is very viable, but just to open the conversation, how viable and what are the steps to get there? So now I'm going to hand over to Katrina to give your um, answer the next 10 years based on where we're going with this conversation and then if anyone has anything to contribute they can come up. Okay, so I would like to just address a couple of things that have been said because it's quite interesting. Um, well, we often hear that technology can speed up the process, can make things faster and I just want to point out that actually being sustainable means slowing down. Mm -hmm. So that's a real kind of contradiction that we're facing, especially within the fashion industry in our lives. Uh, on one hand, apps are amazing invention and to make our lives easier and convenient. And um, however, it's not about kind of creating this culture of having it as fast as possible, just like the delivery system, etc., which creates all these issues that we're dealing with. So it's just something to think about. On the other hand, apps can be incredibly beneficial to um, ordinary consumers within, let's say, fashion that I tend to speak to a lot or we get a lot of these kind of um, questions when we do a lot of research, you know, that people who are not informed enough, they want to buy better. They want to know where to go. There are a few platforms currently existing, but again, it's it's kind of biased opinions. It's not necessarily vetted. It's not necessarily audited, and everybody's kind of creating their own rules around what sustainable is, uh, what is better, etc. So we're facing these kind of issues around um, data as well. Um, so again, technology is an amazing tool that we all need in our lives and in fashion industry, but it's, I suppose the short answer is how we use it and if we use it for the better good when the current systems are driven by high profit and fast deliveries, so we essentially need to change the system. Uh, which is easier said than done, um, as we know. Um, we've built an amazingly automated uh, functioning uh, system for uh, fashion manufacturing over the last 70 years. It's almost impossible to change it, uh, and we, we do need to change it. So uh, on a daily basis, I get these responses from manufacturers when I want to switch fibers for, from uh, synthetic to uh, tensile. No, we can't guarantee that. No, change to this because it's made for synthetics. So it's this kind of crazy um, area that we have to work with. But on the other side, we need the data. And um, one of the biggest issues within the fashion industry that we have, it's obviously the whole disposable issue of textiles and garments. And uh, we are realizing this um, very uh, fast because we're running out of resources and obviously the impact of uh, not recycling 
and clothing uh, ending up in the landfill is creating extreme um, impact on the planet. About 95% of clothing can be recycled, and currently we recycle about 1%. Um, so it's just a shocking statistics, and so we are very far from circular economies. Um, there are some amazing initiatives, and it kind of starts with the fibers. So there are several companies I personally work with as well that um, they're creating this incredible circular economies using um, great technology, uh, lowering down the water input and energies, creating fibers that are biodegradable and compostable, which is all great. But it starts there, and it kind of ends there as well. Um, so then the fibers go into textile mills, then essentially to uh, manufacturing um, units and um, shipping, et cetera, et cetera. So we cannot guarantee that the garment is what the fiber was at the beginning. And of course, dealing with all the landfill and all these garments made and being disposed of, um, we need the data, the information, what the garments are made out of. Uh, we don't know yet, still, how many chemicals go through the fibers and fabrics. Um, there is a currently, um, we had a panel discussion with some innovators around chemicals and um, recently, and there is a new app that you can sort of, it, it works like the, the wine app, you know, just you just scan the label, and it kind of gives you an information what the fabric could have been made out of based on the information submitted by companies. So that's, the that's the thing. So, yeah. I mean, it comes back to that problem that um, feeding information and declaring information, it's still self-regulated and it really depends on the companies and on the suppliers. And as we know, the fashion industry supply chain is incredibly complex and still very opaque. And as much as we want to be transparent, um, there's still so much that we don't know that who does what and there's outsourcing going on, of course, because of the speed and demand. So how can we get there? That's the big question, because that essentially will help us to create a circular economy around recycling garments. And there, there are several companies currently uh, scaling up their uh, technologies around recycling full garments into new fibers. There's worn again, and um, there's a few more, um, which is the, hopefully the savior for the, especially the fast fashion industry. But without knowing what the garments are made of and what they've been through and what kind of chemicals and process they went through, we can't actually recycle um, properly. So these are the questions that, yes, we do need technology, I guess, in the short. Um, uh, we are desperately holding on to specific te technologies to bring back the waste um, into the systems in order to create new materials. But we need the correct information. So essentially we need um, very clear universal matrix and definitions. Um, how do we do this together? Because yeah. even with blockchain, which is, which is incredible on, on, in theory and it works for some brands, and it's a lovely little sort of innovation which uh, works great as a tool for mar marketing, but globally we are still struggling. So we are currently working with the UN and a couple of other organizations globally to kind of really establish some kind of matrix and measurement, measuring tool. Um, because there are way too many now out there as well at the same time. So that's the real challenge, how to connect technology, um, consciousness, and ethical processes together with transparency to find the correct solution. I think people get really excited about blockchain. They think this is really exciting because it's immutable, like nobody can change it. But that doesn't mean that what you're putting in is correct that you have to have so much trust human to human in what that human is adding onto 
the te like the technology chain, I guess, to know that they're correct. So you highlighted just some of the problems. I think loads of brands use it as a storytelling tool, which is really exciting, and it's a nice way of them to share like a story of your supply chain so you might become more attached to your garment. But there's so many problems, not just the expense and the kind of energy caused by just using a system it, it's like that's the other thing which is super interesting um, because we get so excited about new innovations and we sort of like you know start using them straight away but essentially we are in this problem of climate crisis because of co2 um, uh, and by just by producing we are obviously contributing to the problem but we haven't actually measured the technology yeah. and and I the data uses a lot of electricity so that could yeah. actually be a sustainable issue yeah, exactly. So this is why we're having the conversation because without having experts here to highlight these issues, it sounds like a solution, but it might just be a plaster. It might solve a problem in one area, but then create another problem. Because I'm not an electricity expert, but I'm sure electricity is based on fossil fuels, right? So, okay. I know there could be complications with electricity, but I'm not going to go into that because that's not my ex do you want to contribute to that um hi oh sorry i gotta say on this side gosh okay i'm much more in the spotlight than i was hoping to be um hi um james davis i am ishta's husband um my daytime job is uh, as a consultant for mckinsey and company a global management consultancy firm um, on the on the technology side, um, uh, especially if you're using the cloud, a lot of electricity is clean because basically all of what's called the cloud is a bunch of server farms next to hydroelectric dams in Washington state. Um, so they're all very renewable, getting pretty close to it with the exception of Amazon, who are being a bit cheeky. Um, I guess the one challenge with blockchain is it's super decentralized. So at the moment, a lot of that's done in China where it's all coal-powered power plants, but it's not unsolvable. Thank you for that expert um, input. I did. I knew it would be a challenge, but I didn't know how big a challenge. But it doesn't sound like it's as bad as what is actually taking place at the moment. So that's good.